0: Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast audio show on the goddamn fucking world and YouTube show. That you're gonna be catching us on the tube on the fucking booby tube of the use because we got a glorious guest with us this evening. You know what I mean? mean? No, I mean, when you That's think it. of act, when you think That's of actors it. from New York you know uh I, this is an actor that automatically jumps in my head you know the first time i seen this gentleman i want to say it was a little horror film called street trash and he is so he see so he demand he demand one of those guys that demands attention on screen and he has this way about him that's just so kind of cool you kind of want to know him and be friends with him um and hopefully we'll be able to become friends with him today on the Boombastic cast uh that gentleman is the great James Lorenz uh, from Frankenhooker fame, Robocop, Trace, King of New York, King of New York, one of the greatest movies of all time. Abel Ferreira, uh, somebody we we appreciate to the umph degree. You know, he was in Bridge of Spies with somebody that Alexander Hawk uh, would love to just take the trash out for this gentleman, Mr. Tom Hanks. Hanks for asking. <laughs> Uh, mr he, hanks mr tom hanks you know the irishman he worked with the great james balsamo on 14 ghosts uh, this gentleman's all over becker tv nypd blue uh all over the place he's a director in his own right you know what i mean he did a film called swirly which was good times uh i don't know if you got this check that one out Hawkman. but that was uh a lot of fun times it was on the youtube okay so, uh yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. Sorry, that's good stuff. I won't hold it against you. Maybe he will. Maybe maybe Hawk will watch it in in the next five minutes before we have the interview with him and he talks about it, and then you can say, "Absolutely, I see it." Uh, but yeah, this gentleman's great. You know. Uh, he, we Facebook, I think we, we connected through the Facebook, we're friends on there and you know, for a lot of the bad things that come with Facebook with all the drama and all the bullshit and all that garbage, there are some good things that happen on the book and that is, you get to connect with cool people like this that you regularly wouldn't be able to, you know uh, and with that being said ladies and gentlemen James Lorenz, welcome to the show, how you doing over there I'm very good. How are you? Doing fantastic. Mm-hmm. Alex, how are you doing up there, bud?
1: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Ready, uh, here's some great stories of behind the scenes uh, debauchery and other things that might have happened in your long career.
2: <laughs> behind the scenes. But in your case, it's behind the screens. Yeah. That's right. Try- yes, yes. Can you order, can you order some uh, extra wasabi? <laughs> hey, 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 we need some
0: wasabi over here. Fine Thank time. you. <laughs> if we ever get a big enough budget, we're going to pay people to do dishes behind that. Uh-huh. Yeah. We're working on it. <laughs> I'd like that. I'd like that. So, we'll, we'll kick on in. Now, the first time I remember seeing James, it stood out to me heavily. Was I believe your first feature film? Which was street trash, of course. You know what I mean? Yes. You know, that was the 1987. You know what I mean? What I remember, the, the two things I remember from this the most is the colorful gore and your colorful character. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, uh, I, 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 I love that character, the wise cracking, you know, kind of like the boy next door, wise cracky type deal. Um, It's got kind of like a a little Bart Simpson in there. Like there's a little Mm. bit of Bart Simpson vibe going, you know what I mean? Wow. Mm. I think so.
2: Yeah, sure.
0: You know, you got J. Michael Murrow directed. And uh, Roy Frumke's, you know, Mm. he also did a really cool, uh, I believe it was a uh, Day of the Dead documentary. He did a Romero documentary that was really cool.
2: uh, Uh, Document uh, of the Dead. Document of the Dead, yes.
0: That was very cool. So, uh how did how did this come about? Getting involved with street trash.
2: Well, you mentioned Roy Prumkus. Uh, yeah. uh, I was in film school. I went to the School of Visual Arts to be a director, and he was our film production teacher. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but he was involved with Jim Muro. He was in another class, and uh, they decided to uh, they were making this feature film, and uh, uh, he I had left school because I was no good at it, meaning. Uh, it was a lot of technical things like, you know, how to read a light meter and how to, I mean, back then you actually touched the film with a razor blade and it took, you know, an hour to make a cut. And it was just, and I was more concerned about the creative process. So I quit to become an actor and he offered me one, one line in the, uh, in the movie. And uh, he helped me, uh, you know, to get started. And then we were playing around me and Tony Darrow. uh, There's a lot of waiting around in a set so we started in, insulting each other and, and uh, having fun. And the director was laughing and he said, Hey, why don't you guys do some of that in the scene? So we did. And then a couple of weeks later, they, um, they wrote another scene for us and say, Hey, we want to bring you back. I, it was a nice storyline. Cause there was a little bit of comic relief, you know, through the yeah. gang rapes and severed penises, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's good to have a laugh in between that. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then they wrote us in again we had a third scene. So, uh, it really, um, you know, it was a really good experience. You know, yeah. And I, I didn't him. even have to sleep with him or anything; he just gave it to me.
0: <laughs> Best way to do it.
2: Yeah, yeah the,
0: the exchange between you and Tony Darrow, uh, the multiple ones, were fantastic. I love them. Yeah. Like and the the shit, especially the shit talking when you guys are in the station. Yeah. That's great. I love that. Yeah. Well, Tony
2: is a is a, a performer. I mean, he he's done nightclub acts and stand up comedy. He's a singer. He's a very, uh, you know, he's a records out. So he was like a seasoned professional. And I was really just starting out. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that you see us talking about is just us kind of screwing around, you know, yeah. uh, our own characters, you know.
0: Yeah, it has that vibe. Like there was a lot of like, like was there was there a lot of improv that they let you do? Like when you said you guys were going back and forth, yeah, yeah. was it? A- well,
2: what they would do is they would let we would improv. I remember we were in the first scene, we were in a car improvising, and so they they kind of took certain things that we said and yeah. incorporated them in. So we didn't just make it up, but we you know he let he allowed us to flesh out the scene, and then he took out the best lines, you know. I'm yeah. sure there were some other things that weren't that funny, and then they, they cut it out, uh, you know, cut it together nicely. But uh, they, they allowed us to, to, you know, create, which is, uh, you know, that's that's a most times when you get a job uh, as an actor, you, you you know, you say what's written and you yeah. don't leave out a period or a comma, you know, because, you know, there's writers involved and all kinds of things, and they get very, you know, uh, uh, possessive of their work, you know, and they, they yeah. don't want... But some directors are like they, they want to just bring that energy to it, you know, and and make it the best that it could be. So he, he allowed us to, to you know, contribute a little bit.
0: Uh, I love how much of a slick talker you are and you get those little like insults in like there's a <laughs> there's a lot of dialogue where you were like, uh He's like, "Oh, you hate my, you don't like my food, the food we make." And he's like, <laughs> you're like, "Oh, I was eat, I was eating the food when they when they ra- uh, raped and killed your wife." <laughs> I <was> just like,
2: <laughs> I don't know. That's awful. I shouldn't have never said that. That's terrible. It, it,
0: yeah, but it's it, it's all for the for the celluloid. It's all for the the great But you know, thing.
2: the 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 editor did a good job in in also picking out the takes that we did and putting dialogue from another take off camera. Like they really created that you know because yeah. uh, when you're doing a film it's it's pieces as opposed to if it was a play it would be non-stop and you would just watch it but like he took lines that we mumbled from other takes and put them together so it looked like it was one conversation
0: yeah 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 the uh, that you know what with, with that I, th- I thought that was a very memorable part to the film so like did do you think that that helped you get into the next film you know what i mean yeah. with,
2: the, with mm-hmm. that with Oh no, absolutely. I, um, you know, I, I put together a little uh, tape of my scenes, you know, I had about five or six minutes in the movie and I, I got an agent and a manager and, uh, just on that thing. And I, I, um, you know, I, I got, uh, I got into, it. I was on a TV series for a while on CBS and, and I thought, Hey, this is going to be easy. I, you know, I, uh, yeah, yeah. and, but it was just, you know, timing the way that went out. So yeah, that, that, it was one line. I had one line, and I, and I was eating a banana, and then that kind of parlayed it. So you never know. You never know what what's gonna what something will lead to. You know, you could think, oh, this is just some dumb little thing, or you know, nobody's going to notice me or whatever, and, and then you just don't know. So it's uh, it uh, it really got me started, and uh, you know, so
0: that. That whole thing started with just eating a banana, and that—that's what came. from Yeah, that. I was eating
2: a banana, and then I—I I remember I said, "Listen, why don't I have a bottle myself and I take a slug, even though it's not viper." You know, I was yeah. trying to pad my role the best that I yeah, could. Yeah, you know, yeah. little bits <laughs> of business, you know. And they said, "Oh yeah, that's a good idea." And then they worked out at the end. Believe it or not, Tony Darrow—they shot a scene where he melts. Yeah. And they—I uh, don't know. Technically, they weren't happy with it, so you don't see it. But they shot him, you know, with all the, I don't know what color he was, but, you know, <laughs> him melting. So I'm really the only guy that survives in the whole thing, I guess, you know, yeah. to be the new Dom. Well, that's what I think happens, because when, you, when, you, when, uh, when, when
0: Tony goes down and you're left there and you're kind of like, all right, guys, you're working for me now. They don't really yeah. have any like, uh, no, we're not. They're kind of like, OK, boss, like they're just going to fall in line, yeah. you know what I mean? I would love yeah. to have seen a sequel of that that character move on where he became the. Moving
2: good. No, no sequel. No sequel. No,
0: no. Sequel. You
2: can't. You can't. touch that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Although it's funny, Roy had did write a sequel, uh, and he told me that because so much time has passed, he called it Street Trash Three instead of Two.
0: <laughs> Skip right over the second. One, yeah, you know.
2: he went right to the next one. You know. That'd
0: be fun. That'd be a fun yeah. world. The, uh, the traveling world.
2: Well, Jim Muro, you know, Jim Muro also created a very nice career for himself from that. You know, uh, he's the top, one of the top Steadicam operators in Hollywood. Uh, so so he, he works on all of uh, hey, Kevin Costner's movies. He's worked with Clint Eastwood. Uh, as a matter of fact, Street Trash, the whole movie is shot on Steadicam. So that movie was almost like a reel for him. Yeah. uh to see what you could do uh, visually because that was a new technology you know back in the 80s you know uh now it's like you know the, the cameras themselves have their own little steady cam built in so so to speak to to you know but he had this giant contraption that he had to wear and uh you know you you, you run with the camera and, uh if you, you know it, it's it's actually a beautiful film to watch technically believe it or not i mean the subject matter is questionable but the the actual uh the the cinematography and the lighting and all that is top notch you know
0: I really think that's why it works so well because you do have this really dark twisted story right uh, within beautifully shot you know what I mean? yes absolutely,
2: and no blood, no gore
0: yeah, you know it was yeah.
2: uh yeah.
0: You know, you know, you know, 120 Days of Sodom there. That movie's a little more extreme, but I think that that kind of fits in the f- same category. Are you comparing
2: like. Street Trash to Pasolini? <laughs> <laughs> to a degree, to a degree. Yeah, they'll like that. They'll Michael. appreciate that,
0: yeah. Where oh, it's, uh, <laughs> boy.
2: <laughs> well, wow, Where now you're going like... to bring in Francois Truffaut in a moment. <laughs> yeah. Where it's no, like we a... didn't have anybody eating their own feces in Street Trash. i have got to give Nero credit on that one. <laughs> I tell you, the manja, manja, no manja
0: scene. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing about that movie that's crazy. And kind of like a Serbian film of more recent times where, like, the the subject nature is, like, horrifying, but they're shot very nicely. You know what I mean? Did you
2: did you see the movie that Abel Ferrara did on Pesolini? I did. I how was it? I, I felt... didn't see it. Did they did talk? They t- it's more about him, right, the, his whole career? Or is it about the making of? Sallow, I, think, like, I believe it's like because he, he died right before the movie came out. Oh, okay. I so didn't know I think, that. I, I, I
0: think it's like the last couple of weeks of his life. Okay. Uh, it was very good, like super artistic. Yeah. That was Willem
2: Dafoe, right? Played yeah, him? Willem Dafoe yeah.
0: Um, did a superb job. It's one of the most realistic oral sex scenes I've ever seen in a film uh, is in that film. They, they touch base on the death, they don't go too deep into the death. you know Abel Ferreira is a master filmmaker. I love Abel Ferreira. um you know unfortunately, he kind of makes films out of the states now, and we don't really get to see all of them unfortunately yeah. like that one was held. I didn't see that for years till after it came out um and then that guy he did what uh, another he did another New York movie uh with um gerard uh
2: could
0: uh, Yes, 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 yes. Where he was like a politician or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. That was good too. Um, but yeah, uh, the Pasolini film was really cool. And then when they, when he got, they do show the death and it's, it's really vicious where like, I believe uh, there was like these local hoods, so to speak in that area that like prostituted and every now and then he'd like hang out with them and uh, they followed like one of them and, and him went to the beach and I guess a group of them followed them there <laughs> And then they like robbed him, and I think they stabbed him. And then oh, like wow. they, they, they drove him over him with a car, and like that was the end wow. of it. It's really a dark, but he had a weird he had a weird thing where like the governments didn't really like him either because he was very like rebellious and the, the, you know his yeah. themes and stuff.
2: Well, um, yeah, it, you know I, I, now I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm not going to compare him to, but similar to the effect that you know John Lennon had yes. on. Uh, I, I mean, of course, he was preaching a whole different ideal. Yeah, but uh, you know, he he was influencing p- influencing people, and uh, sometimes uh, you wind up dead. You know, when you're sure, uh, you know,
0: yeah. Whenever it's anything a little
2: different, people, you know, yeah. out of the norm. Right, right. You
0: know, and with, with that being said, we can bring up uh, last exit to Brooklyn, which was, I think, a very you know the themes within that were kind of very. Out of the norm, so to speak, and like new and fresh for the times. So it's kind of very ahead of its time with right now. I know it was based on a book that was like banned because it was very controversial. That's
2: right. That's uh, right. Yeah. Did you um,
0: did, did they was it required reading before entering the film? Or well, like, I,
2: I read it because you know I I had sort of like a kind of a, a loose part. I was in a gang. There was yeah. a, the, the gang was a character, and then there was tralala the prostitute, and then there was the union guy, uh, Stephen Lang. So, you know, these were all characters, but, um, uh, the book, it's interesting. It, 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 was written without punctuation Yeah, and it was very difficult to get through. However, about, I, I guess maybe halfway through or just a third of the way through, you start realizing like, so there's no quotation marks. So you don't know who's talking in yeah. the room, but for a minute you're actually in the room with people because you, yeah. you know, you're, you're, so it was uh, Hubert Selby is the guy who wrote that, and he was on the set all the time too. Oh, so uh, he he actually has a cameo in it. He's the guy that, I, if you remember the uh, uh, is it Georgette or who the um the the, the cross transvestite Georgie uh, Georgie Georgie, Georgie yeah. when he gets hit by the car, yeah, and he yeah. goes flying. That's Hubert Selby. He goes, oh my god, and <laughs> he like gets the. Cross. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And you, you didn't want to put him in your car because he would have got blood all over the p- upholstery.
2: Yeah, I, I listen. I, I spent a lot of time fixing that car up. You know, Th- those guys fucking wounded. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
0: what, what did you? So did you get a chance to meet the author on set?
2: Yeah, he was on the set all the time. And he's a good uh, guy. I yeah, I didn't really. I listen. That was my first real professional job. I, I had to join the union for that job, so I guess that's my SAG uh, movie. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, we were more, the director wanted the gang to hang out, meaning even off camp, like, you know, when we weren't working. So the gang was, uh, it was me, it was Jason Andrews, it was Sam Rockwell, yeah, and um Stephen Baldwin, Baldwin and yeah. Peter Dobson. So we would get, we would hang out, you know, go play pool, we would go drinking, we, as if we were a gang, you know. <laughs> yeah. And that was, uh, that was interesting. Um, but uh, the, they, um, he encouraged that, but I didn't want to hang around Hubert Selby. I didn't, I didn't know these people, you know, yeah, yeah, I yeah, was yeah. too busy stealing sandwiches from the craft services. Table. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize it was free. See, so I was taking it home. with him. They say, leave a tip if you want. It's one of those well, things. I told them to stay out of show business. That's, <laughs> That's the best tip
0: you could give them. I like when the writers go and do weird things like that without the, the punctuation and stuff, you know, Anthony Burgess yeah. did that with uh, clockwork orange as well. Like it, and it helps create that world. You know what I mean? I, yeah.
2: That's another tough book. And not only yeah. that, but the different words, you know, yeah. that you have to look up in the back of the book to find out what the hell <laughs> yeah. is going on, you know? Um, yeah. But that was a banned book. It's very, uh, the subject matter. Geez, I'm thinking all these projects I'm involved with, you can't even see them. You know, they're just, you know, street trash. Uh, uh, this one, you know, is all about a sexual coming of age. As I see it, yeah, uh, in nineteen fifty Brooklyn. I mean, you know, there's a attempted rape of a kid. I mean, gang rapes. It's it was like, you know, this this
0: reminded me a lot of if Larry Clark from Kids directed Greece is kind of what this reminded me of. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but it was uh, it was it was good times. And was it You a know the guy, life? the
2: director,
0: Uli Adel, yeah.
2: German guy, yeah. didn't speak a lot of English, so it was very, it was hard to communicate back and forth. However, he couldn't find a street that he liked <laughs> in Brooklyn, <laughs> right? In Red Hawk before it became trendy, so he built a set that that whole thing is a set, two blocks long. Yeah. The diner that we hang out is is a set; it's fake, but the you know it looks so real with the grease on the walls and, and the whole thing. And I remember the first day on the set, we shot nights a lot. And so you get in your costume. So I'm wearing these clothes from the 40s, you know, and I'm walking around the street. I'm like amazed, you know, and I look and there's garbage all over and there's newspapers on the floor. So I'm walking around, I pick up the newspaper. So this nut had newspapers printed up from 1950 and ripped up and thrown on the floor. They were actual daily news, like with the, you know, comics and the, and, and ripped them up now. Nobody knows that but him and maybe the actors, maybe the actors didn't know. I don't know, but that sense of realism. You know you're involved with something, you know, interesting, special, yeah. different, you know?
0: Yeah.
2: So how was it with working with that ensemble cast?
0: There's a lot of a lot of cool folks in there that would, you know.
2: Well, I didn't I, I was mainly with the gang and, and, and uh I, you know, got 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 to hang out with Jennifer Jason Lee yeah. and I made a I made a very good friend on the set there. His name was John uh, Costello, and he yeah. played the, uh, the the union guy that falls in love with Ricky Lake. He gets her knocked up. He's yeah. like the motorcycle guy, on mm-hmm. a, yeah. and uh, we became you know very. It's like any other job, whether it's a movie or whatever you've done in your life. There's always one guy you meet on that job that that's kind of with you, <laughs> like yeah, you, yeah. a friend you you you, you stay with. Um, and uh, but the set was a lot of fun. There was uh, I remember. Bert Young bringing his own bottle of scotch every night. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was, uh, I, I, it was fun. It was, it, it was. There was a lot of, a lot of stuff happening on the set, you know.
0: <laughs> the good old days of uh, Hollywood. Yeah, yeah J- Jennifer Jason Leigh was fantastic in that film. You
2: know? I remember listening because I wanted to learn as much as I could. She was arguing with the director saying, I, I feel like I'm going way over the top with this character. It doesn't feel natural to me. And he's like, "No, no, no, no! I, believe me, trust me. I know what I'm." I would, and he was absolutely right because, um, uh, while we were filming, went said, "Go oh, fuck your mother!" Like this kind of over the top, but it works in 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 the you know in his you know it's a very dark. Well, he also made a movie called Christian F. That's that's another. Uh, um, dark film a german film about a prostitute yeah. um so he has a lot of experience with that so she listened to him like trusted you know because some actors they don't they just won't do something they don't care what you say like i don't want to look like a fool like you know or i don't want to act like it doesn't but she did it and it worked so good good performance
0: yeah it is a very bleak film you know it really is yeah. the um alexander over here is an actor as well so we can relate yeah.
2: Yeah, can relate definitely. Yeah, uh, yeah I, mean, yeah, you know, I I'm, go
1: on. Yeah, I was going to just say that it's uh, it's great when you know, I mean, when when you're an actor on stage, it's all about kind of the symbiotic relationship with yourself and the director, where you know you come in with an idea of how to portray it, and then you know the directors. I mean, honestly, I think their biggest main thing is to tell you. Because they know, they see the overall how they want everything to go, whether um, I remember I had uh, a director who told me, always go too big. If you go too big, I can pull you back. But if you can't get too big, I have nothing to work with. So, I mean, that's the way I always always see it, is that, you know, you go in, you try to be as big as you can, and it's the director, if it's too much, they pull you back. If they want more try yeah. to give him more.
2: Yeah, I mean, I get, but you, the, the key there is you have to have a director that knows what he's doing, I think. <laughs>
1: I, I, that is well, Because,
2: true. you know, I've, I've worked on things and seen things that I, I was, you know, that, that did not work and were not the correct thing. You know, this director uh, from the last exit of the Brooklyn is kind of known as, as a, uh, a very organic guy. So, like, when I auditioned, there was no script. Mm. Uh, he, he met people, like, and had meetings, and if he thought you were funny or thought there was something, he just cast you. That's how I got the part. I, well, I wrote a little monologue for myself, but it, it had nothing to do with, it had to do with uh, uh, pissing in the middle of the night. I, I, anyway, the, the idea is that he thought it was like there was something there. I was doing something that, you know, I got lost in the monologue. And so, you know, some, a, a lot of directors cast that way. It's not about, let me see you read the part. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, I'll it's like, well, wait a minute. You've got some energy. You know, it's it's funny. That's how I I got a small part in um, King of New York. And I I got to meet uh, uh, Abel Ferrara for the audition. I went to his loft and we're sitting talking and he's like, "Ah," he's this real character making coffee. It was like I was at his apartment. This was not in an office or anything. So we sat and talked for about, I don't know. A half an hour. Finally, I said, "Well, you know, is there anything for me to read, or is there anything?" He goes, oh, "No, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm going to use you." And I said, "Well, was what?" And he goes, "I don't know. I don't know. I'm maybe a cop or something. I don't know." Like so, <laughs> so, so they they get people I think that they find interesting and then plug them in. You know, yeah. to, uh, That's you know, that's one style. You know. Yeah, I think uh, it's one of those things
0: where it's like they want they, they see the work beforehand. They meet the person. They want to know that they're going to click with them. The most important thing is that they click, I think. You know what I mean?
2: I think you're right, but also, you know, the best – if you're a truthful actor, you're going to be who you are. I mean, yeah, you could play a period piece and a character, but if the basic character is, is honest and truthful and, and there's something interesting happening, that's kind of – at least you're halfway there because sometimes – sometimes you cast the wrong people you know? yeah, and, and there's not much you can do you know I was I was miscast in something recently I thought and um, you know they t- well, as soon as I got there I was told we're going with the Connecticut accent <laughs> I, I don't even know what that is you know? <laughs> yeah. so now I'm trying to like well wh- wait a minute I auditioned this is how I act this is who I am I'm, I I can't do a British accent or I can't. you know but I, I, I think that you know, and so maybe they should have been more, you know, uh, open to casting somebody exactly, you know, what, yeah. what they wanted. So don't say anything. I want, I you know, you just cut that right out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wonder if it's like, a, you know, the older directors, they're more like a tours where like they're more, uh, they're more like given artistic freedom. Like nowadays, I don't think they'd ever let it, something go that far without a script or anything like that you know it's more of a artistic meshing that they were allowing to happen you know Uh,
2: yeah and and i and that's just i like that style i mean for me working as an actor is very like i'm terrible at auditioning i you know but if you if you already know you you don't that sort of stresses away now you can really relax and start to get into the uh whereas uh and that's due to, to my lack of education you know i I should have went to school and studied and you know uh i i kind of just winged it you know and it caught up with me later in life because now well they they don't call for that shit now you've got to do you know you've got to come up with some kind of a a skill or something that you know that you can you know i mean you just can't get drunk anymore you know (laughs) and then audition you know you
0: brought up Abel. Abel's one of those gentlemen that I've heard was always a wild man. And I love him to death. I think he's super talented. I'd love to meet him in real life. Um, I've heard weird stories about him with auditions and stuff. Like, uh, I remember, I forget which actor it was, said they they went to his, his place for an audition and, like, he asked to borrow 30 bucks and then, like, yeah. disappeared.
2: Yeah, there's all <laughs> kinds of weird things. <laughs> yeah. He didn't ask me for any money. So. Well, that's a good thing. <laughs> but he made me a cup of coffee. That's cool.
0: And well, then I Spike. tripped for
2: three days. I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> he's he he does singing too.
0: I've seen him in a screening with a guitar, and he was actually like super talented yeah. singer.
2: Yeah,
0: I think he's a full-blooded artist. I think he painted. Yep. I think he came from like a painting background or something like
2: that. Yeah, inter- interesting guy. But and these are the people you want to work with. You know? For sure. That's, I mean, these yeah, are the artists that are crazy. Yeah. They're mad. You know, they're they're nuts, and are good nuts. You know. Yeah.
0: So uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about King, uh, King of New York. I love King of New York. Oh, my goodness. You know, F- Abel Ferrer doesn't get an, enough credit for doing two of the mo- best crime movies ever made, which I feel is King of New York and The Funeral, which is like a very underrated masterpiece yeah. for him. It's like a yeah. mafia movie, but like more about respect than mafia. Yes. It's weird. Yeah, I know. It's very, what you mean. Yeah, very cool flick. Um, uh, I know you got to work with Lawrence Fishburne directly on this.
2: I was working with Larry? Nice guy. I mean, yeah. you know, because he was one of the first, you know, big stars I've ever met. You know, I mean, I, I, Apocalypse Now is like yeah. my, my Bible, along with uh, Raging Bull and the Deer Hunter and Taxi yeah. Driver and all these. you know, and here, here he is. And it's funny because he played this wild street ghetto guy, but yeah. he turned it on for the camera. So yeah. while we're waiting around, is, oh, hello, very nice to meet you. Oh, hello. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah. you know, now that's a guy that's extremely, uh, talented, but also a good craftsman yeah. because, you know, he could just turn it on and off and it's completely truthful, you know, yeah. and, uh, not all of that is talent. A lot of that has to be discipline and, you know, uh. He was great. I, I do have a little scene where he pulls my mask off. We're riding in a car, in car yeah. and I remember he scratched me with his nail. And I always <laughs> oh. said, you know, that's 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 a Lawrence Fishburne scratch mark on me.
0: You know? <laughs> he, he's very eighties hip hop in that film.
2: I think he's trying to. Oh, yeah. I think that's what he used for influence a lot. It was, it, 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 but 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 like you know, like um, Alex was saying, he went over the top, and then if you want to reel you in, you can. Yeah. So he, that was his choice to, to do that over the top. And they and it worked, you know. Yeah. So, You got any cool Abel
0: Ferreira stories from the set or any, like, insight on how he directs while he's on set?
2: Well, uh, not really. I mean, I, I did a lot of waiting around. I, I uh, he, uh, I, see, I was trying to do my street trash shtick in that yeah. movie. And it all got cut out because it didn't fit. He didn't know what he wants. So he he. I think that's why he put me in. Oh, here's this interesting character. So instead, it was all cut out. And I just became this, which is fine. I was happy to be. But, you know, I was doing all that wisecracking stuff, especially the wedding scene and some other things. But he would never tell me what to do or, you know, and and sometimes that's the way some directors are. They they don't know what they want. So we'll see what you have, you know. I mean, there was never like I. There were some scenes I was watching. I never had a scene with Christopher Walken, but I, one night I was there. We overlapped, and I was watching him do some takes with David Caruso, and he did every take completely different. I I, I don't know how. I don't know what you know. Uh, I remember he pulled out a joint and said, "Wouldn't anybody like to smoke some pot?" And <laughs> but um, but what I mean is. Like he was experimenting with all kinds of different tapes. So he has plenty of choices, I guess, to yeah. pick from, you know, on uh, what to do. I do believe Abel has two sets of teeth. I, I, <laughs> I uh, I well, I, at one time I had to go to the bathroom. They said, well, use the trailer, you know, that a camper there, middle of the night. And he said, just be quiet. Abel's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I go in, I creep, and sure enough, he's there, and he's got his mouth open. <laughs> like that, he's sleeping. And I looked and I said, am I seeing two sets of teeth, like another set behind his teeth? And I got really spooked. I I went to the bathroom and left. I never really. uh, I would love to see his dental records. I think he has uh, Richard
0: Ramirez teeth behind the good Uh. teeth. That's what I think he's got. But it's all good. So does he shoot a lot of extra footage, or just like pre before the cameras roll, a lot of going
2: around with different things? No, he's he's. I, to, I look, I don't I don't know what his. I've been yeah. on that movie a couple of weeks. I don't, but I noticed that his stuff was very um, uh, planned out. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he had. It's like he knew what he wanted. So visually, yeah. so that was it. You'd do a couple of takes, but it was usually for some technicality that they would do another take. Yeah. You know, there wasn't a lot of uh but there was a lot of action in it. There was a lot of shootouts and you know, you, you can't and that was considered like a low budget film because they didn't yeah. have a lot of money. So you can only you have to be conservative in your shooting ratio, you know what you're doing. So I don't think he had the luxury of just letting the camera roll. Like for from, from what I hear in the Bad Lieutenant, uh, you know, Keitel was able to experiment and do some things, you know, with five, six minute takes, you know, and that kind yeah. of thing.
0: Like the, the, that hotel
2: scene of him crying it must yeah. have been that that scene's ridiculous. Right? Well, that that, that scene I heard yeah. all they all they had to do was tell him how much he was being paid, <laughs> and he went right into it. He went right into it. Did the craziest thing is
0: Harvey Keitel did Bad Lieutenant and Pulp uh, Reservoir Dogs in the same year. That is insanity. Yeah. And Bad Lieutenant is the, one of the greatest movies of all time. It's super underrated. People love it, and it's still super underrated. That's how so great yeah. that movie is. Yeah. Now, we skipped over a film real quick when we jumped over to King of New York. We skipped over a film called Frankie Hooker a little bit. <laughs> oh,
2: no, I, I've never heard of Frankie you never <laughs> heard of that one?
0: Oh, which one's that? Yeah. <laughs> So uh then how did Frankenhooker come about
2: with with and D- Directly due to Street Trash. I got yeah. a, I got a phone call one night. I don't know how he got my number. Uh, and I picked up the phone. He goes, My name is Frank Hennenlauter, and I'm working on a project. At then it wasn't called Frankenhooker because he didn't want to like blow because that's a pretty cool name. Like yeah. so he goes, I'm working on a movie called Frankenstein ninety. And I want you to be in it. I saw you in Street Trash, that was great. And that was in and he hung up. I didn't know who it was. I never heard of Frank Hanelon and I forgot about it. I didn't hear from him for a year. Yeah, And then um, I got a call through my agent. They said they want you to audition for this movie called, you know, Frankenstein. And <laughs> like everyone else, I lined up outside of Carolyn Sinclair's office and auditioned, and uh, I got the part. So, what uh, For the audition, what, what little segment did they give you to go for? There was no segment. Nothing? Nope. As a matter of fact, I just went up there. I think I was stoned. And um, <laughs> and just just kind of rift, like, you know. I, all I remember is I said, boy, that was a wasted or That's how I felt. Like, yeah. whatever it was, it's like, I don't know what happened there. Like, I was just yeah. improvising with the casting director. Yeah. And she said to me, well, that was very interesting. It was like W.C. Fields on acid. And I had <laughs> no idea what that means. I thought I was, like, you know, doing a Cary Grant type of, uh, you know. So... Uh, but then she, the second meeting, like I didn't, they didn't offer me the part right away. I, I then they said the director wants to meet, and then I that, by then I had read the script, and then I had a, I had a talk because I, I didn't know anything about it, and I had a problem with the drill in the head, you know. said, yeah. like, What is this? I don't understand. I, I don't you know. I was just a kid. Well, that's so he goes no 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 you'll be yeah. very funny in it you'll be good you'll be good don't worry about it and I was like okay you know, <laughs> and then that was it. Well,
0: I assume that script was very raucous. I can imagine like, uh, which, what was your, when you first read that script, what
2: did you think? It's so wild and zany. Well, the, 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 the humor didn't come across in the script hmm. and that movie I would say is more of a comedy than a horror film. I, I, I agree.
0: Uh, not
2: a comedy. So uh, more like a comic book, I guess. Yeah, And, and, and so that's why, that's why it was so popular. And it, like kids rediscovered it 20 years later. That's why it's still, a, we're even talking about it. So he really had a unique idea for that. And, and but visually with the body parts, you know, again, no gore in that movie. There was no profanity in that movie, no cursing. However, it still got an X rating because of nudity, you know, yeah. the, the um, uh, it eventually got, uh you know, got cut down to a NC-17 or something, but they wanted an R. They wanted it, you know, they thought, and I think it today, by today's standards, I don't see anything, you know, I mean, I showed, well, my daughter wouldn't watch it for many years, but I showed it to her <laughs> and she's 25, you know, and uh, I had no problem, you know, with her seeing it, but yeah. um, you know, the, Frank Hennenlotter tells a great story that when they sent it to the Motion Picture Association you know to get the rating they called him up and said hey congratulations you got the first S rating <laughs> and he goes uh, s what, what's s he goes and they told him s for shit and um, they had to apologize meaning they, he got so angry Shapiro Glickenhouse was the distributor they filed a complaint who the hell are you? Yeah. You know, that's why this rating system is such bullshit, you know, like uh they decided the movie was shit because they just didn't yeah. like it, you know. Not 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 because of any, you know, uh I mean, I'm just thinking there 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 are scenes in you know, well, I guess 121 days of sound will never get a release here <laughs> anyway.
0: Doesn't matter. He had, he had an issue with that, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, what did you use for... Did you have any uh, like different, interesting inspiration going into the Jeffrey character to try and get
2: into that role? Uh, Well, he allowed... That was a real case of uh, of a collaborative improv- improvisation because I spent an awful lot of time alone in that movie. No one yeah. on the set, walking around. All right, now walk over, do this, do that. And I was like... T- in my mind, I was like, geez this is pretty, well, one, not interesting. And, you know, two, uh, you know, again, I wasn't see a seasoned actor at the time. I probably could have made that character a lot darker yeah. had I done what he wanted me to do. I, I think he was a little mad at me, but then he realized, well, wait a minute, I'm doing something a little bit different with this mumbling and talking and, and these improvs were coming from all kinds of crazy places. So, So then he started saying, okay, that's good. That's good. Get rid of this. You know, so like he was sort of directing the improvisations and then, you know, we would do a couple of takes and luckily, you know, we had the same sort of sense of humor and nostalgia. Like he understood a lot of references that I was doing to the, you know, from the honeymooners or the twilight zone or whatever. And so it, it was, um, that helped me find the character because, uh, I, I wasn't, uh, I didn't know how to find a character.
0: You know? Yeah,
2: I was just doing myself.
0: I, which I think, I think helped made the film better. It, you know, it's definitely a zany. I mean, if he was going for a little darker,
2: like his first, his first basket case film was super yeah dark. You know what I mean? But what I mean is, if the guy had none of that mumbling, it yeah. just was morose. And maybe if I, if I did have some type of inner thing, it would have been a whole different kind of movie.
0: You know? Oh yeah, might have been better. I don't know. Maybe he would have gotten that R rating. I don't know I think the camping I really think the campiness of it like that that fun yeah. feel of it is like that's what I mean. part
2: of campiness it is it's that there's a tongue-in-cheek quality yeah. about it that you know I think that's what does it it's kind of like when
0: you do maybe talk about the Sam Sam Raimi films Evil Dead is straight yeah horror. right exactly
2: Evil the Dead 2 is a, going in the screaming mouth that
0: kind of yeah yeah, yeah 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 yeah. Evil Dead 2 is more of a mixture and then Army of Darkness right. is kind of like almost more comedy than horror by that yeah. point
2: yes and I would but also, that, yeah. also, he had some themes in that movie, like any great director whose films we're still talking about. I mean, Absolutely. Th- there's so many movies have gone. You don't even hear of, you know, th- there were themes of that movie that were per- that were in there that th- th- it wasn't, uh, it, it, you know, they were subconsciously. He, he, he talks about the treatment of women, the misogynistic uh, 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 behavior of men. uh drug abuse yeah crack i mean we're making fun super of the super crack, crack and all, but this was at the time was a hot was this was you thing, know the whole yeah. city was infected with you know uh the, the pandemic of uh crack you know yeah.
0: yeah yeah it's funny well not funny but yeah we often forget that that the super crack because I, I did the super crack thing has got to be one of the best when they pull out the, the super crack is i laugh so hard for that but it's like yeah you forget that it's it's an how many people
2: whose lives were ruined and died yeah. it. it was a real it's still a problem i mean you yeah. know as you know now they just it's with opioids and there's other you know cheap ways of you know getting high and uh, I mean I smoked a lot of crack for inspiration uh, <laughs> on that movie. Uh, quite a bit
0: it's good for you nowadays it's good for you
2: <laughs> so when my two front teeth fell out I quit
0: <laughs> the new vitamin c crack
2: <laughs> yeah. Hen and Lauder's great.
0: I love Hen and Lauder.
2: Uh, yeah, we're actually going to be uh, appearing later this month. Uh, Frankenhooker is showing on Shudder, uh, which is the new uh, horror station. Yeah. And we're going to be on Joe Bob, uh, Joe Bob Briggs, The Last Drive In.
0: Hell yeah, hell yeah. So
2: he's going to have us as guests on. I think they're going to show the movie and then we'll talk about it. You know? yeah. yeah.
0: How was the reaction to Frankenhooker when it first came out?
2: Nothing. Nothing.
0: Nothing no. at all.
2: It well the, the it, it didn't really get a full blown release, I, mm. I, I have to say, you know. And uh so it it, it kind of played at midnight shows, yeah, colleges. It got it, it did very well on VHS because they had this talking box and these great that, ideas yeah. and how to market it. Yeah. And then when the D V D came out it got some attention, but it never really and then it was it was literally twenty years later when kids Teenagers discovered the movie, yep. and then you know people were calling me, "Hey, we want you to come." I, I would uh, be, appear at like at a horror convention, and yep. and all of a sudden, hundreds of people are like kids, like like, "What do you mean you watch this movie?" You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and and that's why I say because a good film will persevere through time. It wasn't just an exploit of. You know, not that there's, they're bad. I mean, some of those movies catch on, but not everything can be Last House on the Left or right. or Halloween. You know, there are hundreds of movies you've never even heard of that never went anywhere and no one will ever remember. So yeah. the kids, I give the kids credit. You know, if we could get these kids on crack, <laughs> then we'd be talking about something.
0: Super crack. It have to be uh, super. Uh, oh, I forget what uh, there's something else terrible going around right now. Always something. Always something. something. You know what I mean? So we did... um, Next up, we could talk a little RoboCop 3 because I know my pal over here is a gigantic Fred Decker fan like I am myself. Yeah,
1: what can I say? I love the RoboCop series. I mean, unfortunately, I think uh, I think uh, 3 by that time, they were kind of going in a different direction. Uh, But I do still enjoy it. I still enjoy it.
0: I love. I love when they when that the Asian robot gets his head like punched and his jaws like all the way to his face. That's my favorite part.
1: Yeah, that that's
2: a great scene. You
0: got to work with the great Nancy Allen in this film. How was it
2: like working with her? She seems like a really cool person. Yeah, very nice, down to earth, uh, easy to you know. Because we had a little scene together in the in the thing. Um, I have to say, yes, I, I, I agree. I love Fred Decker. I love his, his work. But he's a really nice guy. And as a matter of fact, it's the only job I ever got in my whole, that I didn't have to audition for. There you go. He called the agent and said, there, this guy's offering you this part. Do you want to do it? And I said, what? I mean, I, just, to, yeah, yeah, sure. You know. So he liked my work and he likes, you know. I, I guess he saw Street Trash and Frankenhooker and the rest of the stuff. Uh, Nancy Allen was very, very uh, sweet. And, um, uh, you know, we, we like, she, we, because the whole thing was sort of tongue in cheek at that point, right. I guess, when you're on Robocop 3. Um, but it was very good. She allowed me to, uh, did I improvise anything there? A couple of lines or whatever. And, you know, but she played, you know, uh, a very believable cop. Uh, and she was also uh, quite attractive. I thought in that. Part. Yeah, <laughs> she's got a good. She did a lot of the early uh, De Palma films,
0: I believe. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. Well, she's a real actor. I mean, you know, like th- that type of a movie. Again, it's it's you, when you're on the second and third sequel of something, it's it's almost like you're you're you're. It's a um, it's more of a mechanical. Yeah. <laughs> you know what more. How can you make it any different, unless it's the Godfather Two, or something where the sequel is actually something even better than than the first one? You know. Yeah. Uh, but you know, she um, she was very nice. You know who's in it too? Um, who else did I act with in it? Uh, Shane Black, the the screenwriter. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I actually had a lot of fun with it. I had no idea who he was, but. Yeah. He would just, you know, he played the other cop and we hung out a lot and had meals together, joking around. A very funny guy. And then I realized he's a writer. You know, he, he well, he's friends with Fred Decker. And, and I guess, you know, he had him in that part. But, uh, you know, he's he's like a, a real screenwriter. In other words, that's just his job. And he writes yeah. movies, you know, which is kind of cool. Yeah, you're at least a weapon, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, all yeah. of those things. Yeah. Know, all Fred of those great. Keep, uh, they, just, they just did uh, Predator
0: together, him and Fred Decker. I think a
2: couple
0: of years
2: back. Yeah. yeah, Shane
1: Black is definitely a great writer. Love a lot of the films that he wrote. Also, I mean now he he's he's a great director. He I mean he did The Nice Guys which right, I think is, right. yep.
2: is
1: is a great uh, great film that throws back to I mean not saying that he invented the body cop uh, trope, but I think he perfected the body cop trope.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it.
0: Yeah, let's jump behind the camera for a moment here. Uh, directorial debut, Swirly. Yeah, Fant- I love it. It's on YouTube. If anybody needs to go see yeah. it, you know what I mean. Um, Tony, uh, Tony returns. You got Tony, Tony returns. David Caruso. You know, we've mm-hmm. with him a few times. He can return for it. And the story is, I uh, know I believe the Frankenhookers were uh, producers we're almost going to get involved with making a feature length film of this at one point. Yeah. Well,
2: uh, it was going to be a feature but back then in the old days, what you yeah. would do is you would shoot a couple of scenes to raise money. And especially when the lead character is an ice cream cone, you got to have some kind of thing to show somebody that, well, it's not exactly what you think it is. It's right. uh, you know, it's a drama. It's a, it's, it's a gangster movie. Yeah. It's a horror. It's a lot of different things. It's not so, um, and that's how it became a short. I just had enough footage to kind of put some kind of a linear story, but it was, it wasn't intended to be that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, I wanted to make something. Cause I used to love Mr. Softy, the ice cream yeah. truck. They wouldn't give me the rights. So I had to change it to swirly because uh, they didn't even want to talk, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he, he's dealing with uh, human issues as well as practical issues of how to st- Keep from melting, you know. He he wants to be warm, not just physically, but emotionally, you know. Right. And uh, the whole key scene of that is when he tries to commit suicide in the bathtub. He <laughs> he's warm for the first time. I love time. that scene. So what what happens is um, he, Rocco Simonelli wrote the script. He he's the guy who wrote the Substitute, uh, the okay. Substitute series. Hmm. And um, so when he, when Caruso refreezes him. He wakes up and he's in a mental hospital. You know, like what happens? You try to, you you try to harm yourself. You got to go to therapy. You got to get medication, antidepressants, you know, and he decides to re re come back in his life. And, um, so I, I, I'm going to make that one of these days. I still have the script. I want to shoot the original. It's very simple, very similar to Frankenucker in terms of, uh, campiness. So, but there's, you know, like the suicide scene is what, uh, Shapiro and Glickenhouse didn't like. And, and really? then after I was talking to them for a while, I realized they wanted to make a children's movie. They wanted to make a G, like they saw a kid's movie. They didn't get they didn't get it. Mm. I think Jim Glickenhouse got it. But, you know, he's was directing, he he left he left the country, he was directing a a movie called McBain. Yeah. And so now, you know, you've got these people in the production you know producers office who literally were running errands on frankenhooker and, and yeah. you know now that they're telling you what they want and what it's going to be and and uh, I didn't I already wrote the script I wanted to get an advance because once they give you a dime you're in they can't afford to you know so we let them read the script and they passed on it so yeah. which I was fine cuz it was the first company I took it to and I was like oh my god I'll find somebody else I don't know if you don't get it And that somebody else never appeared. Came close a few times. But um, I I think, yeah, I think, you know, film schools really now they do. But they they should teach a class, which is is how to take a meeting (laughs) with a producer. Because, you know, I was in situations uh, when I was. uh, I went out to California second time. And so so they got me a meeting with Ivan Reitman. And he had seen it, really liked it. So now I'm in his office at Universal Studios. And again, I don't know what's happening. He's laughing. with talking about all, laughing. It's like it was hanging out. Like we're doing the show here. you know. Yeah. And uh, he goes, well, listen, you know, anytime you're in the neighborhood, you're come on in. And, you know, that was my cue to say, well, listen, here's what I'd like to do. Here's how I'm going to do it. Uh, this is how I, I see it playing out. Here's the the distribution angles on this you, you yeah. got it he's not i thought he was just to say hey i want to make your movie you know th- nobody is going to say that yeah you have to tell them why they should <laughs> and i didn't and you know so those types of situations like opportunities come up you got to be prepared for you yeah. know it would have been too big though if he got involved it would have been that, you know. that'd be okay.
0: <laughs> Yeah, he could, have, he could have been in the Ghostbusters three. Well, that's what I mean, <laughs> and I don't know,
2: you know, what he was thinking. Or what, but, but the fact is, it's a very powerful man. Yeah, that maybe if he didn't want to do it, he could refer me to someone else. Or yeah, true, you know, the fact that he would be a champion of the project. I said, well, listen, if you don't like it, talk to Ivan Reitman and see what he says. And he made, well, I just it's not for me, but I think this is, you know, yeah. He didn't sleep with me either. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what that's what it would take nobody nobody wants me in hollywood ah uh, <laughs> i get on the casting couch i put all the poses i get ready and
0: <laughs> i was surprised to hear that aunt liked the bathtub scene because that's one of my favorite parts of it well
2: that's the human life you know? that, that's the whole idea the yeah. whole gist of it once you get past the fact that he's ice cream and you accept that and now okay so he's got to keep warm and, and you know now you're going into into themes that no a lot of you know i guess I guess that kids I don't know uh, but this is the type of a movie that you know has to be made by myself, I think you know I, yeah. I can't uh I wouldn't be able to just sell it to somebody I don't think they would get it you
0: know yeah it's like it's it's it's, it's, you, it's very unique, which is a problem in studio world, you know what I mean yeah. unique things they're afraid of cuz are money and that's you know. it they
2: they 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 have to figure out how to make money the problem yeah. you know the idea is though you can help them see that <laughs> yeah 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 in the way that you pitch your film your idea yeah. You
0: know? I had a quick question about it was um the 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 mafia mob people the Iceman or his friend mr frosty any influence on this cuz of the mafia tie thing
2: no Okay. No, but
0: now I realize it was. <laughs> yeah, I was say, I'm like, Mr. Frost. I believe one of, the, like, his, one of the guys he killed his buddy was called Mr. Frosty, if I remember correctly.
2: Well, they didn't want to even give me their lawyer's name. I, I, I tried to explain what I was doing. And I said, uh, you know, and they were like, what is this, a porno movie? And I was like, oh, no, I'm making this. And they were not interested. I said, well, can I can I talk to your legal department? No. And they hung up. Really? So I, I told Glickenhaus, I said, who, who, let's just call it swirly. In other words, it makes it more, you know, like Mr. Softy is only known like in the East Coast and I think London, I think New York and Philadelphia. So we can make him more of a universal character. It's still the idea that he's an ice cream cone. I don't, it, I wasn't tied to Mr. Softy. And that way, we don't have to worry about it, you know, to change the costume a little bit, maybe. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. They, yeah, Martin, the, the, yeah, they want, you know, anything that might, you know, not make them look good. They don't want nothing to do with right. No, I
2: think they had other activities going on that they didn't want to bring attention to. There, there
0: you go. <laughs> That's probably it, right there. Aren't money
2: laundering? Anyone?
0: <laughs> I believe it. We got a uh, that you were part of the Jerky Boys film, which was fun. You yeah. know what I mean um i you know from my age i remember as a young teen those when those albums came out those were fucking the biggest thing in, of all time they had like clippets on the on wbcn the radio and stuff
2: yeah it
0: really took over and that was like their time you know the yeah. first ever crank anchors you know crank anchors is a big deal but they don't talk about the jerky boys as much as they should yeah um what was it like? Where how did you get involved with? That? I know you. Did you become friends with Kamal after or
2: before? After, yeah, I, I after. didn't know those guys at all. Um, I auditioned, and that was one case where I remember they called me back like six or seven times, and I was like, "This is getting ridiculous." Like you know, I said, "How many more times?" Like you know, it kept because it was down to like two or three people, and I guess they couldn't decide on who they wanted to cast. And yeah. luckily, I won that one. Or oh, maybe not so lucky. I don't know, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I got to know them, and, uh, and he's actually uh, a very good friend of mine. At, if not my best friend, right now.
0: That's cool, and he's yeah. a filmmaker. He uh, he makes yeah. um, he made a few horror movies, I believe, and some other. He's made guys,
2: five. But... He's made five features. Yeah, no, have not. You wouldn't even know that this guy was on the Jerky Boys. This is a, you know, he's in the vein of Abel Ferrar I mean, guys that. Don't give a fuck. He doesn't, he doesn't try to raise lots of money. He, he shoots stuff for very little money. He gets them released. He gets them distributed. And uh, as a matter of fact, that's what I was going to plug at the end of this. Uh, Absolutely. So, um, yeah. he, um, he just finished uh, a series that I, I'm in. I've got a pretty good role in it uh, called Crash the System. It's a science fiction series. He shot two seasons worth. And, um, you know, it's... In the process of you know post-production but i'm really curious to see uh how that how that gets accepted because it's it's a new uh format instead of shooting feature films now you know a lot of folks are doing these breaking it up into and then because there's plenty of outlets now you know they're dying for content as some of these not not the big ones like netflix now but some of these secondary streaming platforms Mm -hmm. they need Content. And so it's a great way to get to work, get your stuff seen and, you know, appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Now he's so, a New York native as well, right? Yeah. 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 How, you know, he's actually
2: I- a native. He dresses in a grass skirt and he paints his <laughs> face. He's got a bone in his nose and everything. He's a native.
0: I just I just recently friended him on the book. So hopefully we'll get him on the show soon. Uh, yeah. The uh, That was a good time. So I remember that being a lot of fun. Um, what was I gonna say here? I got lost in the sauce a little bit. The uh, well, we're,
2: we're jumping around a I know. <laughs> Let me see, Jackie
0: boy, Jackie boys.
2: Well, oh yeah, the the like the community. The, how much of you? I know you took a little
0: break uh, with the actor. Yeah. You took on a more a more artistic role. I remember, uh, which <laughs> was very commendable. I thought that was a great. I seen that video. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. That was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, I try to lie my way through. Yeah. yeah so I'm starting all over again you know i, I started acting again in in two thousand fifteen and I uh, have a manager, but uh it's'm a different type and person, and I think I've also learned a lot more you know yeah. just through life experiences so you know uh that's why i I'm, I'm curious to see how this uh how I come across in the series because it's nothing like uh you know the the, the the things I did in Ucker and street trash and some of it is I think yeah. but you know. I think that I, I've uh, I've learned to shut my mouth a little bit more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you notice any big differences for, with the return from when beforehand to now? Now, other than digital, of course, probably.
2: Well, just that no one has uh, returned my calls, you know, so I, <laughs> I, you know. But that was that was you know happening at the end of the first one. No, no. Uh, uh, what, what's different is you know. Uh, a, a lot of a lot of the auditions now and meetings are are either Zoom or self tape self you know and that's very difficult for somebody like me where I, I like the energy in the room and I'm having a lot of you know when you when you do this they want the actual performance like they're not seeing anything like hey this is something I like this you know tone or whatever and you really can't get a sense of that by watching your audition, you know, I mean, I'll have four pages within eight seconds. They're, they're either saying I'll watch more or they skip, you know, this is how they, so they could tell right away what the way you look and the way you speak, it's not even so much the performance, you know? Um, So that's a little odd uh, to, uh, you know, I used to actually go and, you know, if, if, if I could get in to meet like the director or producer or somebody, I usually at least, Got a lot close, you know, because I could make a little bit more of an impression as opposed to, you know, and, and I'm not technically savvy. So I got a shower curtain behind me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you,
0: when you made your big return in
2: 2015, uh, Bridge of Spies. Yeah. Was that the official return film? Well, yeah, it was the first job I got back, a paying job. And I, I gave Tom Hanks a dirty look. <laughs> no, return job and they lifted yeah. it in. as a matter of fact I was in the trailer I was very really yeah. funny because he's on a subway and I just like what the fuck and you know and it was in the script that 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 little scene you know that was Spielberg and he's another guy that it's all up in here he, yeah. I've never seen a guy work so fast in my life this is a 40 million dollar movie and he's running around holding gels and really? like, shooting scenes so fast which is which is it's nice you know instead of like less is the Brooklyn, you'd wait hours, you know, yeah. for the adjustments, and you know, you don't have to do that much anymore, especially with the digital. I mean, geez, the existing light is beautiful now, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, well, I know the new cameras pick up light perfectly. Yeah. Yes, yeah, Spielberg. I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than the name Spielberg in film.
2: No. Uh,
0: did you do any any stories or, or, or inside look at what it's like to work with that gentleman on set?
2: Well. The only thing, I mean, I was a part of a group. I, we were in a subway car, you know. But he was there, he, though. But he, he introduced himself. There were like four of us that were in the shot. He introduced himself. And he called us all by our first name when he directed us, which I thought was pretty amazing because there's hundreds of people yeah. there. And I understand, uh like, that's probably part of his greatness in terms of he knows he's famous and he's, you know, he's this thing, but that he looks like at one point he asked me, you know, I want you to move in on the code. It, it was James, right? Like he said. Uh, so I'm like, shit, you remembered my name. You know, that was, I, I think there's, it's a, it's a big deal, you know, yeah. just to be associated and even in, in an extra part or a little, well, they call it a bit. I wasn't really an extra. Uh, that was the best $900 I ever met. Made. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. But uh, yeah, so that was it. I, I, it was nice to get that. That part,
0: yeah. I think there's multiple facets to good directors. You have like the technical side where they know all their technical, but then they have their dealing with people side. And he, kn- but he I, knows. I, I believe yeah. Spielberg
2: is the technical side. Yeah, and he just casts people that he knows are perfect for the parts. And you know, my part wasn't that you know, uh, you know, important. So you don't spend a lot of time on that, but that's why he cast people like Tom Hanks and, uh, you know, and even some of the minor characters, they were perfect in, in uh, like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I've seen footage of him directing actors, but it's, it's, it's nothing like, you know, I, listen, I need you to do a Connecticut accent on this. You know, it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, like he'll ask you, what do you feel about this? Like, you know, and make you part of the, of the equation instead of that you're as an actor, you're just trying to give him something yeah. like, you know, he wants, he didn't sleep with me.
0: Either. Ah. <laughs> Next time.
2: <laughs> did, Mar- did Marty Scorsese sleep with you? Uh, he gave me a prostate exam. Ah. <laughs> That's good enough. I take that one or two fingers. That's the question. One or two oh, fingers. He's got <laughs> thick fingers. They're like bananas. Those fingers. <laughs>
0: yeah. And they got mustaches and big eyebrows on them. They got big eyebrow mustaches on them. Uh, Another gigantic, huge filmmaking name: Marty Scorsese. And especially being a New York uh, dude, that has to mean a little extra to you. being Able to work. Well, he started
2: all this trouble for me, you know. When I was a kid, I watched his films, and that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And you know, it was easy for him, but not me. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) No, that was great to get that little uh, little thing in uh, the Irishman.
0: Yeah, the Irishman. Yes.
2: Yeah. You know, the best part of that was uh, I got to watch two great actors work, and uh, Al Pacino, in my mind, is is, has surpassed them all. Now, I I, uh, he he was amazing. They were all, and then, but as I was watching them, I realized, my God, they're just some guys having fun. You know, Scorsese would come in; they were laughing. You know. And this is kind of nice, like, to make your, not only your living, but your work like this. Like, everybody's part of it, you know. But uh, uh, the reason why I respect Pacino so much is, um, so there's the scene where he's yelling at us in this office, and he's screaming at us, and he's like, you dumb motherfuckers, and he's spitting. I remember he spit, and a thing went right under my lapel, (laughs) a a ball of spit. I was was like, God, this is fucking great, you know. (laughs) And, um... So he, now this guy's 75, 76 years old, giving his everything. They would stop rolling. And the guy's like wobbling to come in and help them. He says, he's an older man. This is not what he's giving this performance, right? So after they shoot all of his stuff, now they turn the cameras around to get our reaction, right? And that's, you know, that usually that means everybody on the other side goes home and they, they bring in a PA or somebody to read the script and, and you, you got to pretend. Well, he not only stayed, he gave the same performance off camera, uh-huh. meaning he wanted our reactions to be him. You know? Yeah. And, and I mean, that's that level of nuttiness, right? When you think about it is is so inspiring, you know, yeah. like Abel Flora, like, you know, guys that get totally immersed in it. Yeah. In other words, it wasn't, he could have left. He was tired. He's working all day. But not only that, given the same spit spewing speech, not being filmed. Yeah. it's not about him. It's about the
0: guys, you know, watching him. So I've heard that story a few times of like you know great
2: actors that when they could go home that they do the reverse. You know what I mean? Listen, there's, there's that famous story and you know, on the waterfront, you know, with with Brando and and uh, and Rod Steiger, and Brando does this great scene. Rod Steiger, the turn that Brando left. And and Steiger was, how dare you? Like, this is one of the most touching moments of the film. You know, the whole, uh, I'm a bum, you know, that speech. Yeah. And the guy left. (laughs) And so whoever's reading it with them, you're not going to get the same, you know.
0: That's crazy, this. Yeah. Brendo's a bad man. He's an interesting character. Yeah. Now I know that you said that you're 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 not like a you're a movie fan, but maybe not like the the biggest. And you got like ten movies that you like to watch on continuous rotation, so to speak. I believe we got um, "It's a Wonderful Life" is in there. Uh, it's a Mad Mad World. Um, let me see here. Twelve Angry Men. Um, we got Twelve Angry Men. Them. It's a Mad, Mad World. It's a Wonderful Life. What are some of the other ones that you
2: enjoyed? The Cain Mutiny. Uh, The Godfather, one and two. Classic. Uh, um, um, Raging Bull, Taxi Driver. Uh, Then there's some other movies that have become favorites of mine, like uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Yes. I mean... Uh, it's it, it doesn't really fit in these films we're talking about, but if you, you know, we think about Elizabeth Taylor, and uh, that's like an amazing, that's, you know, that's like De Niro and Raging Bull, her transformation and what she does. Um, I also like TV shows. I'll watch The Honeymooners, The Twilight Zone, hell The Odd yeah. Couple. Hell yeah, hell yeah. You know, I guess I got to expand my horizons. I just watched the movie for the first time, that I hadn't seen before, a Hitchcock movie called The Wrong Man. I, with Henry Fonda. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I
2: couldn't I, I, couldn't stop watching. Like, usually it takes, you know, I, I get distracted, but it was really well done. Uh, not just from an acting standpoint, but the storytelling. And, you know, Hitchcock's always got something going on. In he does. Movies, yeah.
0: yeah, I watched, uh, speaking of Henry Fonda, 12 Angry Men, I watched that for the first time, like, maybe two years ago. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big cra I, I watch a lot of movies and now like the only I've seen so many that like the only time I feel confident that I might pick something up that I'll like that's new is like a Criterion collection release. You know? Yeah, I mean? those
2: are great. Yeah.
0: So and so that's where we I yeah. got picked that up and brought it home. And yeah, Twelve Angry Men is super- yeah. superior. It's such a great film, you know. And, and so- yeah, and you
2: know, you think about In a room, one room. One room, yeah. With all these personalities. These are all, like, big actors. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. And um, very well done.
1: One of the the best things I love about that movie, it's definitely one of my favorite movies, is the fact that not only do you have one room and you have these great 12 actors, but the camera work, I mean, just, I mean, the up-closes, the moving around, because when you're stuck in one room, it's so easy to kind of feel stale or stagnant. But the camera ends up becoming such a yeah. huge, important part of that movie that you never feel like it's stagnant or slows right. down. Because the camera ends up becoming like another character, yeah. another actor that just you know just brings you in
2: with all these different you know great actors that will great off each other. That's a great point. Uh, that's all Sidney Lumet, and I, I read uh, a little bit about how he shot that. If you uh, if you've seen it ninety times like I have, <laughs> as the movie goes on, he starts out with longer shots and medium shots. Then this starts coming in with close ups to give this as it's wrapping up this feeling of claustrophobia, you know that. But all of that is not aware to the viewer, like you know, right. because you're watching. But it's 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 changing your perspective on it and that's why it feels like it it it's not stagnant because he yeah. you know he, there's a there's like a whole plan of his shooting you know how the whole thing was uh was was uh was shot so yeah very good movie to watch uh both for performance and technical uh achievement you know um, masterful filmmaking for sure yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, deep, deep, like the true deep art form,
0: like we we're talking about earlier, like when directors were directors and it wasn't just nowadays It's almost like cookie cutter jobs where they do what needs to be done to get it, you know, and it's, it's you know, it may, more mainstream, at least. And it's a softer type film and for everybody, whereas you'll have these more artistic films that make you really think and get these real feels and stuff. And, yeah. Did you guys see um, Mother, by any chance, the Darren Aronofsky movie? It was more cut, like the last four or five years. I've heard of it. I didn't see it. I know. I know. That the, th- that's a movie that like, I kind of equate to that where it's so deep. It's like way deep. It got released theatrically, but like it's so deep that like, it's uh, it's like beyond, oh, beyond yeah. the film in a way, uh, which is nice because right. you don't really see that anymore. Yeah.
1: yeah. No. No. Yeah. yeah. And, and another one, another movie that you mentioned, the King Mutes thing, I just wanted to bring up, that's another great film uh, with Humphrey Bogart. And I got to say, the one thing I really loved about that is you got Humphrey Bogart, who's known as being a tough guy, being like the man. And you see him as a character, you know, like breaking down and, you know, kind of lo- losing his mind in that... Uh,
2: and, Treasure and, the Sierra Madre.
1: yeah, that's another one that he does Classic. that, and and I, I guess oh, it,
2: oh oh you mean the k Mutiny? Absolutely, yeah, the, yeah,
1: yeah, the K-Nutiny. He's good at
2: breakdowns as he got older in his career. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and and I have to say, I always I always appreciate when you have like an actor that is like known as being like a tough guy or the 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 man's man, and then you put them in a role like that where you know. Yeah. The Whole Tough Guy facade is just, you know, yeah. just pulled away. And yeah, I mean that's another great movie. I mean, I recently rewatched it about maybe a year ago and
2: it still holds up today. Yeah, he he's brilliant. I I mean, the problem is that's how he got to start. So, he's associated yeah. with tough guys, but he's yeah. not a tough guy. You know, he grew up very privileged. His father was a doctor. They they were like middle upper middle class in Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. And so he didn't struggle, you know. So it's interesting how this same guy can play Duke Mantee, you know, or, or one of these other uh, really ugly, uh, vicious characters, and then yeah. at the other time be so vulnerable and yeah. you know, K. mutiny or yeah. yeah, he's a
0: great one. Well, James, I think we took up uh, enough of your time <laughs> for this evening. Well, but it was uh, a pleasure, a uh, pleasure chatting with you too. It was very refreshing. Thank you very much. We usually like to ask one one question beforehand yeah. before we depart. Um, you know, yeah. we 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 all make films here, and uh, we we know from time to time. Uh, we got a lot of filmmakers and actors that listen, and you know, from time to time, things can get discouraging. Do you have any advice yeah. or anything that maybe you use that you know when you go through maybe a tough time or a slump that uh, can keep you positive to kind of keep keep moving forward with film or any kind of passion that somebody might have.
2: Well, one would be don't quit. I don't care what anybody says. Get away from people that are not, they don't even mean it sometimes. They don't know what they're saying. They think they're trying to help you by saying, well, why don't you just get a job? And then, you know, like, don't listen to that. Cut that off. Um, but the advice, the best advice I got recently that really helped me was from, uh, um, who's the gentleman from Breaking Bad? Uh, Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston. So he says the minute it started turning around for him, because he was a working actor for a while, but not before he got that part. That look at the audition process and and, and this idea as the job, like that's it. (laughs) So put everything you have into that, all of your energy. If you get lucky enough to get an audition, instead of just saying this is only two lines or this is, you know, whatever i'm not gonna i'm never actually do the performance i mean you know uh it's hard because sometimes all you have is two pages of script and you kind of don't know but but and that's your that's your job you know you've you've been cast to do this audition and do it and give them your take on the character and if they call you back and say hey listen would you mind doing that one more time this time we'll pay you (laughs) You (laughs) then it then then it's a whole different thing you know it's Whether it works out or it doesn't work out, you gotta be able to walk away from it, you know, that kind of a thing. Also, if you could prostitute yourself to producers, that helps. (laughs) (laughs) Try and sleep with all the big directors. (laughs) Well,
0: that was great advice. We thank you, sir. Do you want to boy very
2: nice talking to you.
0: Do you do you wanna tell anybody where they can find you uh, or any projects to keep a lookout for? I know the Kamal project is on its way. Yep,
2: the Kamal project is called Crash the System. It's a series, science fiction series. I don't have a release date, but uh, I would say probably before the end of the year. And uh, I'm also waiting on another film I worked on uh, a couple of years ago. I think it's about ready to come out called The Stay. And it's a uh, it's a, a horror film, a straight out horror film. Um, and I play a guy that's in a uh, owns a hotel, a haunted hotel that kidnaps a female guest to sacrifice to Satan so he can <laughs> get the soul back of his possessed system. I think I said that right. I like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well,
0: we'll be on so, the lookout.
2: Uh, keep a lookout.
0: Hell yeah. We really appreciate you coming on. Same we love here. everything you. you do. We're going to continue thank supporting. Uh, you great. ever want to come back on again, we would love to have you. We'll be in touch. You know what I mean? And uh, yep. let, this, let this be a vessel to promote all your stuff, man.
2: Thank you. Thank, thank you very much. A pleasure being you. on your show.
0: Absolutely. And, all right. Have, take have a good care. day over there. We'll catch up with you soon.
2: Very Bye. good. Take care, fellas. You
0: too. Take thank care. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Great. And, folks, with that being said, that was uh, another glorious episode of the Boombastic Cast. My brother Alexander Hulk. How you doing, old Alexander Hulk?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm doing good.
0: That was a lot of fun. Um, okay. The great, great James Lorenz. Like I said, since the first time I seen that dude on camera, I said, this dude's cool as shit. He has a presence about him. Uh, he's just uh, he's very likable. Uh, you know what I mean? He's just somebody you want to be around. Um, he, you know, he took a little break to, to raise a family, which is more important than film. And there's nothing more honorable than doing that. That decision I have so much respect for. I don't think people even understand. Um, but yeah, I, I hope to see him and pop it up in more stuff. You know, he k you know, I- iconic films before the break coming back. Iconic films, dude. Scorsese, he's killing it, dude. Working with Kamal. Kamal's a good dude. We're gonna get him on the show. Uh, we maybe we might just work with James in the future. That'd be a beautiful thing. Love to work with that dude. Uh, great dude. Love to have him on the show again. And uh, do you want to say anything, Hawkman? Oh, I got nothing much more to add. Just that uh, uh, he's
1: uh, he's one of the, the many different um, actors that that I appreciate because, you know, he's constantly doing it. And, and like a lot of a- other actors that we've interviewed and we're going to interview in the future, he's one of those that, you know, you might not know his name, but you know his face. You, you see him and you might be like, hey, I really like that guy. And then, you know, years later, you're watching The Irishman and you're like, Hey, I know that guy, and he's one of those guys that stays in your mind. And I always appre- appreciate that character actors like him, who you know are constantly out there and constantly doing stuff. And uh, and I, I always always appreciate that. I don't think they get enough love that they they deserve because a lot of people are just like, oh, that's you know. You know, I like, you know, Robert Downey Jr. I like Chris Pratt, which, you know, is great. But there's a lot of great talent out there that don't go up to that heights that I think are even better and, and more enjoyable actors to watch. And I definitely recommend you, when you watch a movie, don't just watch, like, the stars. Watch the supporting actors. Watch even the extras because you'd be surprised what you can see. And sometimes... That's where the real talent
0: is. Uh, Yeah, I always pop. He's Chris Pratt to me, baby. And I always pop whenever I see James in a film. And I'll say one more good thing about that dude before we sign off. Super talented. Charisma for days. The charisma and presence that he had on screen was so golden that you know, it, it picked him up. It picked him up, and he, and he was shooting with it. You know what I mean? He was doing it, He was killing it. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, super happy to have that dude on the show. That was a great show. And for everybody else out there, we hope you're having a, a good October season. I think we're going to be Octoberish time when this drops. And uh, we'll catch all y'all on the next episode of What Huck?
2: The boom cast.
0: The boom-bastic cast. Peace. Peace. <sighs>